welcome back to episode 14 of the Mass Business Podcast. My name is Matt Ward and I am your host. I got a good friend today to interview on the podcast. His name is Mark Ridley. He's with Green Shoots FX. Green Shoots FX helps importers pay less U.S. dollars to their global vendors, as well as assisting exporters to collect more U.S. dollars on international sales. They're very big into educating people on best practices and often see importers being invoiced in U.S. dollars, which often means that they are overpaying for those raw materials and goods. They love educating people uh, on the reasons why and how to, to lower the payment. He's based in Situate, Mass., but originally from London, migrated here in 2015, and his favorite football team, of course, that's European football team, is the Tottenham Hotspur. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming my good friend, Mark Ridley, to the podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Mass Business Podcast, where small business owners, also known as risk takers, share their stories about the growth of their business and themselves. Our interviews and our content is focused on growing a small business and understanding networking and referrals. I say it all the time, and I'll say it again today, you never know where your next referral will come from. go that's my good friend kelty kelly thanks for that intro song appreciate it welcome to the show mark ridley thank you sir appreciate you uh appreciate you having me what an introduction um that's the kind of introduction i want every time uh i'm just entering into a room or into a store quite frankly i'd love to i'm happy to record one for you that you can just play right on your phone uh, for a nominal charge, probably like, I don't know, a large Dunkin' Donuts coffee would work for me. <laughs> hey, you know, I, I, I could probably stretch to that, to be honest with you. <laughs> it might be a stretch. And we have to do it in international foreign exchange currency or something too, right? Awesome. So thanks for joining me on the podcast. Just in a real quick, um, you know, short synopsis, 30 seconds or less, explain to our listening audience, all two people that are probably listening, um, what exactly Green Shoots FX does. Uh, I'll give it a go, and I'll, I'll be honest with you. When my dad uh, still says to me today, um, I, "I I don't know what you do for a living," and so you know, having moved in financial circles, we can talk to each other in acronyms, and you know, we understand each other. But when it comes to like breaking it down, so I can explain to my dad, I'm like, you know what? I think we're gonna have to get stick figures out and like draw a bit of a flow and and help him that way. Bless him, love him. And Mark, will those stick figures go on the back of your minivan too? <laughs> I, I have some thoughts about those kinds of stickers. <laughs> All right, what do you do? Explain to the audience what you do. All right, so uh, we, I think you nailed it really. I mean, we, we do help importers. Um, in fact, I should be very careful and say, look, not necessarily a, a, like an out and out true importer because you could be a manufacturer here in the US. You might source your widgets, uh, your raw materials from the US. You might be selling exclusively to the US. But the machine that you have that manufactures those widgets, you might have bought that from Italy, for example, and that might be something you do one every five year, once every five years or so. So you're not really an importer, but you have a global vendor that you pay once in a while. But 
for keeping it simplistically um, or for simplicity's sake, yeah, we, we help anybody that imports goods, services, uh, raw materials pay less for those items, usually compared to using a bank. And I'll caveat that by saying we're not bank bashers in any way, shape mm -hmm. or form. Yeah, you get a lot of your um, clients from banks, right? Yeah, we do. We do. Um, I, I might be a big bank basher. So I'm mm -hmm. going to put like the more global bank there, mm -hmm. but certainly from a regional and a community bank and credit union perspective, we actually look to partner with some of those uh, institutions. So if you're a, you're a business and you are uh, passing your invoices that you receive over to your bank and they're in a foreign currency and you say, pay that German exporter 100,000 euros, it's highly likely that the foreign exchange rate that that bank is using is not going to be a great one and typically could be overpaying in the region of about two or 3,000 bucks for every $100,000 uh, that you send to that. You know, for, for some of the small businesses listening right now, you know, conceptually, that, that's probably not even triggering with them because they don't send money over like that. But I think the point of understanding this is that um, Mark's company, Green Shoots, helps people save money, right? On, on scale, that's what they do. They help people save money. Um, and, and one of the reasons I asked Mark to come on the podcast, and I thought it would be great to have him on the podcast, is because Green Shoots, even though Mark isn't new in business, Green Shoots is fairly new. And so, you know, you've got a history in the world of foreign exchange and banking. You've been doing this now for what? How many years? Uh, all in now. It'll be 30 years this year. Yeah, 30 years. So it's not like you're new in the industry. But you are a new business. Talk to me about the struggle of getting a new business going during the pandemic. So, uh, man, where to start with that? So you're absolutely spot on. Like, so we're, we're a new company, right? But the way that we would describe ourselves to uh, anybody who's serious, uh, seriously looking to engage with us is it's, it's a new skin but the bones are hyper experienced. Like to your point, you know, almost 30 years, we've been doing this for a very, very long time. So we know what we know, but we we, we, we also understand that uh, there are many businesses out there that, that have been doing things a particular way for a very long time. Um, and we're trying to slightly tweak their own um, uh, way of doing things. They're sort of almost trying to break a habit. But in terms of starting a business uh, during a pandemic, I mean, the amount of times that people have asked us, like, you know, you must be absolutely off your head to try and start something new during probably one of the worst, more recent cri like crises that we've ever seen. And I said, look, you know, that, that would probably be true if we were looking to start a, a, a travel agency in August of, of last year, right, of August of 2020. But we, we started just as the pandemic was unfolding if you will mm -hmm. and given to your point we are a company that saves businesses money what better time do you need to save money than during a pandemic so what i completely agree and what in your estimation has been your biggest challenge getting the ball rolling with the business there's a number of challenges. Um, I would see them all as, as being fairly, fairly large. Um, I think, I think, in no particular order, trying to get a seasoned CFO or a business owner or uh, a finance director, for example, um, to just change that habit. 
Well, and yeah, I mean, you, this is stuff that they've been doing for years, and all of a sudden yeah, you're a new exactly. guy on the block. You're yeah. you're you're saying that there's a new way of doing this that can save you money, but that's a risk when you're talking about big money moving in hands and a hundred thousand dollars and stuff. They're comfortable eating that cost of two thousand. That's what they're known for. They've got that planned in, and now some guy calls up on the phone and says, "Can I have five minutes of your time to show you a new way to save two thousand dollars on your international transactions?" I imagine you're hearing a lot of dial tone. Yeah, it gets that way. It does get that way. And, not to uh, mention you have to contact people in the middle of a pandemic when they're not at the office. Well, there is that. There is that. And also, I think, you know, during the pandemic, people are, um, pardon the expression, pulling their hair out um, yeah. and, you know, running in thousands of different directions. And so what they're trying to do at this point in time is literally like plug the holes in the boat. And so that kind of, the ability to then find some time or at least think that they can find, need to find some time to like step away from that and learn something new. It's just not in somebody's, it's not on somebody's to-do list. Yeah. It's and not I, on their and, purview. And I kind of, exactly. I kind of appreciate that. And it's funny, like this weekend, um, this weekend I had a kind of a, an epiphany in, in maybe in, in the way to try and help uh, communicate a lot more clearly uh, was because I was at, um, I was at Home Depot. No, uh, really. I was at Home Depot too. <laughs> I was at Home Depot. Isn't that what guys do on the weekend? We go to Home sometimes, Depot. I just go there and look at stuff. I don't. I don't. Exactly it's like our new version of Man Town, isn't it? I just want to pretend I know what I'm doing. But I, you, know, you know what I always say, Mark? I need a chaperone at Home Depot so I don't spend all my money there. That's exactly it. The amount of times I don't think I walk out there with less than 500 bucks worth of stuff, of which 450 bucks I didn't really need, quite frankly. <laughs> It's just, yeah, you, know, you just get sucked in. Uh, and I've got an eight-year-old who likes to be putting stuff in the in the carriage as well. So you know, you end up getting to the end, and you're embarrassed to say, "Yeah, I'm gonna." I didn't. That's not mine. <laughs> you just buy it. And then, <laughs> so, so you, you end up walking out with stuff. Ah, uh, I, I might use it at some stage. So, what but was like, your epiphany? So, so I'm I'm at the at the register. I get like tools to register, and as like I've been approached, you know, a hundred times when when you're checking out is. Hey, do you want to save 20% today? You know, take out a credit card. You can pay it off today, but you'll save 20%. And the thing that races through my mind is I don't have time. I just want to get to the car. I just want to get home. I don't want to go through the ball ache of filling out paperwork. It's going to cost me time and yada, yada, yada. Right? But yesterday, I'm thinking, dude, what you've just said is exactly what you hear from a CFO. Mm -hmm. And me, I've not even given it two seconds to think about, well, what is the time going to be spent in filling this out? And how complicated is it going to be in taking out that credit card? And I, my purchase yesterday was for 500 bucks. So we're thinking like, that's, there's a hundred bucks just there. You've mm -hmm. just given away if you don't do this. So I thought, you know what, you know, you're, you're preaching. So why don't you have a listen to yourself? And so, yeah, sure enough, pull over within four minutes, I walked out of there a hundred bucks to the richer. So, it just made me think like maybe I need to, or we need to change the narrative and the way that we communicate to CFOs to make it uh, apparent to them that, you know what, this is a matter of minutes. It's a matter of probably five minutes for you to understand and about two minutes for you to actually make the change. And off the back of that, you can then carry on going about your regular day-to-day -day business and yet you'll be doing it, saving yourself a couple of thousand bucks for every hundred grand that you send overseas. And you know, that 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 couple of thousand bucks 
just gets plowed back into the business, right? You can either use that to upgrade your technology, stop Bob from being furloughed in the warehouse, mm-hmm. um, you know, look to hire new employees, uh, you know, pay down your debt, like help you towards your, your interest payments, whatever it might be. Well, like, isn't this a bigger issue up. that like, so the interesting analogy that you bring up, what I, I, I think is really good is it, it's not, I, I don't know how close the analogy is to what you deal with every day dealing with the CFO of a company, but you know, at Home Depot, you have to fill out this application, it runs your credit score. Now you open up what's called a trade line on your credit score yep. and it, it can negatively affect your credit. So that does not happen with a business, which I know I refuse to open the credit cards just for the credit score impact um, at those places, right? Yeah. Because I'm offered those things all the time. I mean, it's at the point where you get gas at a 7-Eleven now, and that's what exactly what they're offering you is a 7-Eleven credit card or something like that, you know? And so, like, I don't want to impact my credit score. It really doesn't have to anything to do with saving the money in that scenario that, that I'm thinking, but I'm also not the same buyer that everybody else is either. So I think it's most certainly the time issue that you're, you're up against. It's the time issue for why they want to get on the phone. It's the time issue to me. It would, it, it, it's a, it's an interesting perspective because I think that, um, this is why one of the things I like to talk about on this podcast is networking and referrals, right? Because the more we network, the more referrals we get. And if we can educate right. our partners to refer us the right way, we won't have objections that happen when we have to deal with the people directly. Um, yeah. And so the networking partners would be the ones telling others that this is a five-minute conversation and a two-minute application. Right. And so to that point, um, the epiphany, if you will, which was partially yesterday and also uh, in a recent conversation I had with a with a prospect, um, it, it is making sure that the referring partner or the referral partner t- like does tell that right story. And mm-hmm. I don't think that we were necessarily communicating to uh. them. Yeah. the right way to to tell the story and a case in point would be like somebody like a, a customs broker or a freight forwarder would be like magical for us mm-hmm. and we've engaged with a with a few uh, freight forwarders over the last uh, couple of months or so and invariably the response is mark you know what we've we've introduced the concept to like 10 15 of our clients and we keep getting you know we don't we're getting no interest and then you have that repeated after one after the other, you know, uh, conversation-wise with uh, with a freight forwarder, and and it was just I was thinking to myself like, how is that possible? Because almost um, you know, from a customs broker perspective, one hundred percent of their clients are either buying or selling internationally. So there's money mm-hmm. movement, even if it's in U.S. dollars, mm-hmm. there's money movement. So there's a need without a shadow of a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt. So why is that not coming through? And then it dawned, like it, it was a, a conversation I'd had with uh, with somebody recently, where uh, they just dropped into the our conversation what they'd said, like you know, Mark, we'd we'd spoken to a company, and um, yeah, they said they uh, they didn't need any, like didn't have any foreign exchange payment needs because they're importing from Germany and they're paying for those invoices in dollars, and so you know. We just said, okay, fair enough, and, and away they went. And it was uh, it was then I thought that's probably the same conversation you've had 20 times. That's the same conversation that the other freight forwarders are having as well. 
Right. Okay. So now what we do is we go back to the referral partners and say, here's the next stage. So here's what you're going to hear. I can almost guarantee you, right? If we lined up a thousand CFOs right here, right now, 950 of them are paying for invoices in US dollars. So expect to hear exactly that. We don't use foreign currency. We don't need foreign currency. We have no foreign exchange risk. We're paying for invoices in US dollars. Expect to hear that Mr. or Mrs. Referral Partner. Mm -hmm. At which point you then say, well, actually, if you're paying in dollars, you do have foreign exchange risk. You can't see it and you can't manage it. And therefore, you do have a foreign exchange payment need. And by the way, you're overpaying. And these are the, these are the reasons mm -hmm. why. And then have them tell the story of like what, like you know, the value that we could bring and why it is that they are. Like, so to be a little bit more, I want to say maybe aggressive is probably not. Well, the right, I think no, I way. I don't know if aggressive is the right word on that. I think you're. It's probably. I agree with you. It's probably stronger than than the word you really want. I think it's just educational. Right. We just, it's just, and so the other issue with this is being a small business is the time it takes. Right. Obviously, we're impatient people. We need sales. We need yeah. to live and eat and drink pints of beer and things like that that us European people do. Um, but, but the, the reality is, is that, is that if things do take time, then yeah. to a degree, it's a numbers game. And, that time, part of that time process is that educational process. I mean, you're learning about the dialogue that, that, so let me step back a second and tell you, we've had other people on the podcast and, you know, some of these people pretend 20 years in business, um, you know, for themselves and they don't learn the things that you're saying until year four or five, right? You're already right. learning it in year two. Right. And so like, so, so you're ahead of the game in that regard. And I think that um, part of the process of small business growth is about having more at bats, right? Having getting up to the plate and swinging. And, yeah. you know, in baseball, um, I, they don't have baseball in the UK. They have cricket, but uh, it's probably similar. But in baseball in the U.S., if you're hitting 350, you're the rock star. You're an all star. Absolutely. You're you're yeah. you're the king. Uh, and and so that's you know that's uh, seven hits for every 20 at bats. You know. And so funny enough is in business we don't think of it like that. Like right. we're not we're not. I in, uh, on my old podcast, Square Peg Ground Hole podcast, I interviewed a lady. I, I believe her name was Andrea Waltz. She wrote a book called Go for No. Which you're, the whole concept of the book is your number one goal should be to get as many no's as possible. Because that means you're closer to yes. <laughs> okay. Right? Conceptually, if you say, if, if I'm a one out of 10 person, I'm a three out of 10 person, I can get three sales or three conversations out of 10, um, 10 tries, then go for the seven. Because the minute you get the seven out of the way, you're probably going to get the next three right after that. Yeah. So the only, um, not to say that there's a flaw to that theory, other than if you're doing it wrong 10 times, if your communication is not right 10 times, then you're going to get 10 no's well, every single time. And I agree, but it's it's the 10 times you do it and the next 10 times you do it, the next 10 times you do it. Now you've got 30 no's. And it's at that point, you're going to have the realization that the conversation's wrong and it's about having right. the number of conversations. So in, when I talk about referrals, 
I talk about it as showing up. I talk about it as consistently having these one-to-ones to constantly be talking to the same people three or four times a year, you know, in 15, 20, 30 minute phone calls. And it is about the repetition of all of it that yeah. produces, because what happens is, and I, I learned this from actually the speaking uh, industry, Mark, surprisingly enough, is they always teach us to record everything we say. Okay. Because randomly, off the cuff, you're going to say something and it is going to be pure gold and you're going to not have recorded it and you won't know to go back and put it in. I was also taught that we write speeches not for what we're going to say, but for what we don't want to say. It keeps right. us within the guard the guardrails of the road, right? And so interestingly enough, I think too often business owners, we think we get all up in our head about what we're supposed to be talking about conversation versus just letting the conversation flow. And um, right. when I own my web agency in the back half of owning that, i learned much more quickly how to just sell websites was really just about having a conversation about sales, not websites. And it was so bizarre yeah. because I just randomly ended up on that stuff. So as, as a small business owner, how are you continuing to educate yourself now? Uh, well, it, there's, I think there's a number of ways, uh, what we, so what we know and what we've learned about global payments over the last 30 years, one could argue that if you come into this game, come into this gig in the last 12 months, then you're, you know, you, you could be pretty much up the curve, uh, as somebody who's been in it for a long time, right? Because what I, what I've known or what was relevant 15, 20 years ago is completely obsolete in terms of the way that maybe money moves, the way the bank's behaviors are with each other and with the technology. So I try and keep up with, I mean, there's a number of different industry papers uh, that I read. There's a number of different blogs that I follow uh, just to keep current with regards to uh, what's out there from a technology perspective. Um, so that's kind of like really the, 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 the key for me. But then also just like having a certain sense of self-reflection so to your point earlier on about having those or just now about those 30 conversations yeah you know after like 10 if we're not having any success then we're thinking okay maybe we need to change the narrative and just because you, you might even have uh you know some success with certain conversations and the way that you that you position uh the products and the services that might also need to change as well at some stage. Just because it works today doesn't mean to say it's going to work tomorrow. So I think from an educational perspective, it's just the experience that I have um, in sales and relationship management at least tells me that nothing's consistent and there isn't a constant. Yeah. yeah. And, and so are you, to, and to are learn, you educating learn yourself around other small business growth activities, things like sales podcasts, things like um, – mastermind groups or other people networking yeah, groups so things like I, that i belong to a couple of a uh, couple of networking groups um and it's let to be honest it's actually less for referral activity and more to understand what do you, what what are you going through in terms of building your business what are some of the pitfalls that you have because it could be that even though we're in completely different industries the the issues are the same uh, they're always the same yeah the growth issues are always the same with small business owners, regardless yeah. of the type of industry that we're in. We see yeah. it all the time. Well, I mean, when I interviewed 50 people for my new book, 
I saw this pattern across all types of industries. There's right. always like people don't trust their gut early on. They don't trust their gut. You know, yeah. we all need new clients. And so when a client presents themselves as a client and you get that weird feeling, you see the red flags, you know, they're not a good fit, but yet you still take them on because we need the money. Mm. And then it, eventually it crashes and burns. And usually it's the business owner holding you know the responsibility from that um and we i i see it over and over and over again in the book yeah. i talk about how we got to get to the level of security to the point where we have a predictable amount of income coming in every month so that we can push away these clients yeah yeah well i mean we we at this point in time i feel maybe we can be still that little bit i don't want to say choosy so like this yeah i mean look there's there's still going to be we're a financial services company right so we still have to adhere to rules and regulations laid down by um uh, governance here in in the us so we can't just take on any client in any industry mm -hmm. um and then so there's that and that's no different from a from a the way that a bank would operate anyway right so we adhere mm -hmm. to the same kind of levels of know your customer anti-money laundering uh, laws and rules and regulations but at the same time there's a there's a risk there's a credit component that we have to bear in mind because we are allowing clients to trade for an exchange against a limit that we are comfortable with mm. and so we are absorbing a certain amount of risk mm. meaning that if the client decides that they don't want to settle the transaction that trade has to be unwound and I think only once in my history have I ever seen that turn into a profit. Usually there's a loss on the other side of that, particularly if it's done in a very quick uh, period of time. So we don't want to be like, I don't want to, we don't necessarily want to take somebody on who like, if that is, if that issue, like that thought is in my gut, that mm -hmm. this is not right. If it looks and smells like poo, it probably is poo. <laughs> like, right? Yeah, that's right. So, you know, it, it, don't necessarily take somebody on just to because you know that one bad apple could really you know ruin your profits for the entire year with that Absolutely. being said you know we are we you know we're in the third thirds of our careers so we're not necessarily in this to become millionaires we're not in this to um you know we're not we, we don't need to get onto the housing property mark like ladder we don't we're not interested in flashy cars mm -hmm. uh we're not a charity so we've got bills to pay and we've got school fees to pay but we're really here to provide that level of education and support any business. And we know there are a lot of businesses businesses out there that might have access to foreign exchange payments, might be doing best practices, but are getting really crappy pricing because they've, their flow is too low mm. or you know they're, they're not considered to be big enough and therefore profitable enough. So one of our smaller clients would be sending like a thousand pounds to the UK once every couple of months. Mm -hmm. uh another that we're chatting to right now we're looking at structuring a 50 million dollar trade mm -hmm. so you know it, and we'll touch anything in between now that being said uh again do we do we only want clients that are going to be sending a thousand pounds every few months oh, honestly no but we can afford to do that because we know that we we can you know uh, from an aggregated revenue yeah, perspective i refer to that as the less than ideal client it's it's an uh, you know they, they probably have a good makeup but the transaction volume isn't there and um, yeah. a lot of times I, you know, it, it, in, in my new book, you can plot your clients into the ideal client matrix and determine where they all sit. 
And yeah. so that was probably something I would consider to be an adequate client. It just depends on how the relationship is or is it transaction driven, you know? But um, yeah, I mean, look, we, I, I can easily say what our, you know, what, what a great client would look for us. It's somebody that would trade $100 million on a weekly basis. But we know that those types of client, those big wows are not out there. And again, I'm coming back to the fact one of the reasons why we could. But, but, but let me just challenge you on that because is your ideal client that because it's just volume based then you just don't care about the relationship. You want the transaction and we that's care about that, could, that could go sour on you. Right. And so, so the, to be. me, the I know you and I know that you're a relationship driven guy. So oh, I, I, I think the whales are great, but in my book, I talk about them as being a blip in the blip zone. They give you a big blip on your profit and loss statement. And then they, but they don't, you know, sometimes I interviewed one guy in the book and he talked about how um, the best clients weren't even the most profitable ones. They don't send a ton of business, but they're fun to do business with. They're good people to hang out with, that type of thing. So, Well, it, it depends on what your definition is. What, what are you trying to get out of when you say, what's your ideal? Like my ideal client for socializing is going to be somebody who likes to have a drink. My ideal client for providing me the best value of revenue is somebody who trades $100 million a week. It's My interesting that you have different categories for that because. Well, I mean, it, yeah, but you can, you can, uh, why yeah. wouldn't you? Like, so it's so it's subjective. I, I it's don't. So subjective. I just have a single ideal client. Yeah. But how do you, it's, how do you, it's the person that you, brings me joy. The, right. Okay. So I like that because the joy is going to come from having a nice conversation, helping them out. And also providing. That's why in the client matrix, there's a whole thing. (laughs) But see, you walked right into that. I didn't even put you up to it. Listen, we're almost out of time. I got a couple more questions for you. Hopefully, you can be really super succinct with them. What's the number one piece of software that you could give uh, as a tip for other business owners? I'm not talking about like foreign exchange software, but I'm talking about business software. What tool do you use that you could share with other people that could be a game changer in their small business? Uh, I'd say a solid CRM. Uh-huh. So uh, I don't know if we're allowed to name or yeah, advertise. Yeah, but yeah, name it. Go ahead. So there's there's a few that that we've tried and tested, and there's a few that I've used in the seven banks over 28 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, in my career, but I'm I'm a big fan of HubSpot right now. Yeah, I use HubSpot. Um, mm-hmm. I like them. I, I I like. So we had Salesforce for a while, mm-hmm. and I like. What I like about Salesforce is their um, the, the the pipeline management tool and the way that it's customizable, uh, and it's a very it's very intuitive and it's also um, a, a nice easy to read dashboard. HubSpot for me is just a little bit behind the curve there, but what I like most about HubSpot is the uh, communications, the ease of communications, like sending out newsletters and having. Uh, having our brand in those um, in those communications with Salesforce, it was a little bit of a, you could get there, but it was a by hook by crook um, process, and it, it just wasn't it just wasn't intuitive, and I didn't like that. What's the uh, what's the one business book you would re- recommend that other people read? Um, I actually have a couple, and I know that I'm supposed to be doing it quickly, but um, a good friend of mine. Uh, Dr. Dennis Rubello, story like you mean it, and also mm-hmm. I do like uh, Don Miller. Oh, story brand. story brand, yeah. And I like this one because, uh, particularly because I have the attention span of a gnat, and I've got 
hundreds no that's a bit of an exaggeration i've got hundreds of books that i haven't read but i've got scores of self-help books that i haven't read whether that's the how to be a better father better husband better woodworker whatever it might be and you could sell them for new the spines are not even cracked but when this one landed on my desk as a recommendation from a this buddy of one mine, being uh being the uh don miller uh, story the, brand book don miller yeah i'm sorry uh the building a story brand I kind of sat back in my in my chair with the notion that I'll read the first page. And then within like 20 minutes, I'd busted through the first couple of chapters. And a lot of what he was saying resonated with me. And then with uh, with Dennis, I gave that a read because uh, because I trust the guy and because I want to help the guy out. And it, you know, it, it again, really talks to those that um, want to uh, you know, tell their story in a very succinct manner. So in such that the audience, whether somebody asks you at a cocktail party, like, what do you do for a living, that you're just not absolutely boring the pants off of them, talking about your company that you inherited from your grandfather who started it during like a depression era, yada, yada, yada. You know, you've already turned somebody off. So using as few words as possible to, to maximize the, um, uh, the story that you have. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I think the insight here is that you need to be able to read both these two books so that you can effectively explain to your father exactly what you do. And that exactly, yeah. brings it full circle. Mark, uh, thanks for joining me today. I know it's not likely, but if there happens to be a freight forwarder or somebody that needs foreign exchange, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, in a number of ways. So directly via email, mark.ridley at greenshootsfx.com, uh, our website, uh, greenshootsfx.com has some contact info as well as a ton of regular info and we're also available on um, Twitter and we try and put a lot of content out over LinkedIn as well so follow us on LinkedIn um, and uh, we can get you on our marketing communications as well yeah because I'm sure that's where everybody wants to be is on everybody else's email address email list <laughs> but speaking of email list uh, we're gonna find a way for you folks to subscribe make sure you subscribe on all those favorite podcast apps that you belong to and uh, smash that like button and subscribe button on YouTube if you're enjoying this show we greatly appreciate it as I always like to say don't forget to live happy smile a lot and high five everyone around you <laughs> I'm waking up this morning Gonna grab myself a smile Thank you for listening to the Mass Business Podcast where we focus on growing a small business and understanding networking and referrals. Don't forget to like on your favorite platform and share out this podcast. This show has been produced by Heather Grant, music by Celtic Kelly, all rights reserved. I'm your host, professional speaker, author, and word-of-mouth referral consultant, Matt Ward. Don't forget to live happy, smile a lot, and high-five everyone around you. Feeling all right. Thank you.